morning to Matthew 18. I got tickled when he was talking on the announcements about fall is upon us. No. No. I saw the devil in Publix parking lot the other day. He said, I got to get home, man. It's too hot up in here in Georgia. We got to get out of here. He was warm. Make you want to imitate a tree in a uh, dog park. It's so hot outside. It's just a joke. Has nothing to do with what. Y'all stand with me this morning. Matthew chapter 18. Verse 21, Peter said, Lord, notice, Lord, supreme authority, final say, sovereign. How many times can my brother sin against me and I have to forgive him? Seven? And Jesus said unto him, no, not seven, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain king which took account of his servants. And we begun to reckon one man was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. And as much as he had not to pay, the Lord, his Lord, commanded him to be sold, his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant, say the same one, went out and found someone else that owed him a hundred pence. And he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe me. And his servant fell down at his feet and said, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? But he would not. I want you to mark that in your Bible. He would not. He had the power to. But he would not. He could have, but he would not. But went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. Well, how can the guy pay the debt in prison? He can't. It's like you're going to owe me forever, really, is what it implies spiritually. So when the other fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told his Lord all that he had done. And his Lord called for him and said, You wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you simply asked me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, even as I had pity on you? And the Lord was wroth with him, which means overflowing with anger, and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due him. And this is one of the most sobering scriptures in all of the word of God and ignored. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do to you, If from your hearts you do not forgive everyone of every trespass. Before you're seated this morning, let me just talk to you just a second. In our series on deeper, we're not talking about just expecting from the Lord. We're talking about deep expectations. We're not talking just about foundations, but deep foundations. And this morning, I'm not just talking about forgiveness where you say, well, I forgive that person. I mean taking it so deep that there is no desire in your heart for evil to come upon them. It doesn't mean we minimize the crime. It means that the spikenard of resident grace in our life is given. 
and leaving all judgment to the Son. Forgiveness at this level and deeper forgiveness um, is very easy to see. Forgiveness at this level is about you. Deeper forgiveness is about God because all judgment's been given unto the Son. And the deeper forgiveness is not that I just said, well, I forgive you. It's that I give it to the Lord and say, you're the Lord, you judge between us. And that there's nothing in your heart. No one can make you forgive. No one can make you do it fully. No one can make you do it uh, wholeheartedly. And no one can pay the finance charges in your heart. Because when you forgive, you pay for their sins. You are quiet when you could expose. You withhold anger. The same way Christ forgave. When he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. He could have sent 12 legions of angels. And he covered the nakedness that should have been exposed. I want to talk to you this morning. And if you're open, I believe that this will be for several people here. The most revolutionary message that they can remember in a long time. And they're going to leave from, used to be having forgiveness, hit or miss. To deeper forgiveness that is not open for discussion. It's buried at the foot of the cross. Not forgotten, but not brought up. Done. Next page. So, Father, I just humble myself before you. And I know there are people in this room that this is the one message they don't want to hear. I, too, Lord, am no stranger to pain and sorrow and betrayal. And I pray that you would allow me to be anointed so by your Holy Spirit that they would lose sight of the man on the stage and they see the king on the throne. That we would humble ourselves more deeply than before. That we would reverence you more deeply than before. And we would purge from us even the residue of unforgiveness so that we might be children of grace. And I thank you for this opportunity, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Right as Christ was about to be crucified, the spotless lamb, without sin, the opportunity to hold unforgiveness was given. It was the devil's last ace. And from the cross, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The devil knows for some of you that he's not going to trip you up through excess like drugs and alcohol. Or he's not going to uh, trip you up through adultery uh, or deviant sexual expression. He's, you're not going to be a, a person of uh, lust for money and possessions and things. But you've been wounded. Deeply. Cruelly. Profoundly. Publicly. And there's a difference between woundedness. And don't mistake it. Don't let the devil tell you you haven't forgiven just because you still hurt. You can hurt and not hate. You can hurt and grieve. And God doesn't want necessarily, he doesn't require you to expose yourself to those people who can't help but be unkind. But as for you and what comes out of your mouth, there is nothing but blessing and, and, and prayers of forgiveness and it is possible. Listen, God would not give a command 
and place an expectation that he did not empower you to fulfill it. Pharaoh does that. Pharaoh demands that you make straw, that you make bricks without straw. But God says, all grace is given to you, that you, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you having sufficiency in all things can abound to every good work. Why do some people hold on to unforgiveness? Because it has a hold on them. It happened so quickly or it happened over such time. It became a stronghold. A stronghold means it has a strong hold on you. Because of the severity of the sin against them. Whether it was abuse or misuse or betrayal or abandonment. It, it's You know, I've heard preachers just... And I hope that I, I don't do this. I hope that I see his word clear enough. They add things that tend to be such bondage to us. They said, don't tell me you've forgiven if you haven't forgotten. I can't forget. I can't just wipe my memory. Well, the Lord says that he has forgotten our sins. No, it said he doesn't bring them to, repent, to remembrance. God can't forget. God knows everything, but he doesn't bring it up again. He, as far as he's concerned, the grace was there even before they took it. But see the severity of it when you've been sinned against severely, intentionally. And some of them don't even know they did it. The severity of it can find root because of our weakness and our frame. Everyone ought to have had a daddy. Everyone ought to have had a mother that cared. Uh, everyone's spouse should have been faithful. Uh, the, the people that have stolen from us and lied. You know, I, I could give you a long list of them. I'm sure you got a list. I'll give you just a couple of crazy ones. I'm not going to try to play aces against your kings and, you know, I win. I had the worst life, you know. I'm not going to do that with you. But not, uh, early on in our ministry, uh, I had someone spread it around the church that I owned a nightclub. And that my wife did table dances. Like, what is wrong with you people? This was told to me as well. That I have, a, I have a demonic anointing. It's demonic. And all of you, you didn't think you were, but you're under a spell. And the church was growing so big during our boom years that some of you were like popping out of the spell. And I was losing control, so I hired Beth. It's just true. I'm not making this up. I hired Beth White, who was a counselor, and she would set up one-on-one -on -one appointments with you and bring you back under hypnosis so there wouldn't be no problem. And that's why our church doesn't have splits. Because you are asleep and don't even know it. Uh, so there's just a, just a few, just to let you know. I've got anybody else exposed to just crazy folk. Just crazy. Like, you're so far off that, watch that that doesn't hurt. But what about the ones that are cruel and unkind? It's, it's hard to let go because we have been changed by their behavior. Doors have closed. Uh, our gate is changed. Our countenance is changed because of the severity of the crime. Because who it was that did it to us. Your parents, your spouse, your children, your best friend. The pastor, the church. We hold on to it because the pain and suffering that continues on long after the crime.
has been committed. We hold on to it because we build up a case in our mind that justifies. And that, that is the lock that holds people in the prison of unforgiveness. We are justified. If they weren't guilty, then there was no crime. We are justified in the court system. We want justice. Okay, right? If someone sins against you in the kingdom of God... What God is asking is not that justice would not be done, but that you would not be the one administering the justice for the believer. That's you being hands off. That's your son, Lord. That's your daughter. She's crazy, but that's your daughter. And I'm not going, I'm I, out of respect for you, O oh Lord, a clarity of who you are. I defer judgment. Anyone can justify unforgiveness. And every time you tell your side for the sole purpose of one more person siding with you that you are the wrong party, that's like pouring a bag of concrete on the place that you stand. And some of us are so right, we're wrong. I don't understand. Let me give you a biblical example. They brought to Jesus... A woman taken in the very act of adultery. They did not bring the man. It takes two to commit adultery. So I'm assuming they knew the guy gave him a break. Brought the woman in front of Jesus and said, We caught her in the very act. And Moses, the law, says she should perish. Were they right? What made them wrong is that they were the ones that wanted her to perish. So Jesus knelt down, began to draw in the ground. And I've heard preachers say he was writing out the Ten Commandments. And others, he was writing out their names and the sins they committed. And he doesn't say in his words, so I don't know. But I think he was counting. I think he was going like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Y'all are so close to getting evaporated. I just, I'm, just, I'm just so, oh. That's what I thought. He, I think he's just like, mm, mm, mm. And how can you say that? Because he rose and the first words he said was, you who were without sin, throw the first rock. How about you, old man? Would you like to throw the first one? And beginning with the oldest unto the youngest, they stepped away. The issue no longer being, was the girl guilty? The issue was that they saw that they were not qualified to pass judgment because judgment has been given unto the son. And rationalization justification, justifying your hatred or your anger is not an issue of the technical part. You can be so right that you're wrong. We don't want to win the verdict. We want to keep away from the venom. It's not a matter of being on the right side. Better to be trodden upon and favored than to be stiffened and justified and God turn his back on you. Now let me say this. God does not expect, desire, or want you to expose yourself to consistently evil people. My husband hit me with a bat. I'm praying if I should stay. The Lord said, go. You can forgive him, but you don't have to live with that clown. I had a lady not too long ago. And don't try to figure out who it is. That's not important. She's just mean, cruel. And I had, she was one of the three people that I've asked to leave this church. And I said, don't you ever come back. And 
I told her, I said, and I know I'm going to answer to God for that. I'm going to stand before the Lord and answer for telling someone they were not welcome in this church. And I told her, I said, and I like my odds. You're just, you're not welcome here. So about a year passed and she come walking down the aisle. I was preaching. I saw her come in late and sat about third or fourth row. And I'd long since forgiven her, pray for her all the time. And she'd come down the aisle. She walked right up to me after service, stood this far. She did some of the cruelest things that have ever been done to me in my life. I'll just say that. Ever. Walked right up to me. She, you have to forgive me. You know the Lord said it. And I said, first thing, before she said a word, I'm sorry. I just hugged her. And she said, you have to forgive me. You know the Lord commands it. He said so. I said, oh, darling, I forgive you. I just don't trust you. Which means, ain't nothing in my heart against you. But ain't nothing in my heart for you either. I ain't got, I just don't, I don't. I'm not judging you. I just am not safe around you. And God does not expect you to be a doormat. He expects you to be a lamb. Kindness. But I'm not going to walk, you mean to me, I'm not, yeah, I see you coming, I walk the other way. I'm not, I love you. By love you, I mean, I wish God's best. I pray, and we'll get to that in a minute. But don't, don't take this message and say, well, I have to go back to that abusive spouse. No, you don't. No, you don't. Why do we hold on to it? Because we're rebellious. We know what God's word says. I don't care. The hate is the only thing I have against them. It's the only power I have. And we would rather violate the scriptures so that we could drink the elixir of judgment. Which doesn't hurt them. It doesn't convict them. It just destroys you from the inside out. We hold on to unforgiveness because we're self-righteous. If you were to say, and I hope I don't steal the points that are coming. If you were to say, John, what, what are the two keys? If you could just boil it, you know, two keys to getting over unforgiveness. It's very simple. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. And so shall my heavenly Father do to you. So he's going to cast me into prison. And release the tormentors, which would be demonic powers. To torment my soul, my children, my wife. Till you pay the debt. And I know what debt I have against God. The fear of the Lord. It's not I'm a good person. I fear him. I fear him. I'm not scared of you anymore. I fear him judging me. Because he will judge accurately and thoroughly. Based upon all of my sins. So the fear of the Lord. And the other is the clarity of my sinfulness. No, I did not deserve. This is going to be for someone, this, this statement. No, I did not deserve what they did to me. But I deserved hell. So the Lord kind of like, tell you what, we'll let this go. You let that one go. God said in Matthew 6, If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. And if you do not forgive every man from your heart, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. So while we're debating upon eternal security and unconditional eternal security, I just submit this to you. I'm not looking for an answer. Where do unforgiven people go? So I'm going to bust heaven wide open, unforgiven? God is serious about this. And it is an issue of idolatry. 
If I see, we, we know we can't take the glory. Pastor Ben and the worship team can't sing, and then somebody said it was wonderful. Wasn't it though? Aren't we so rich in anointing? Aren't we so strong? If it weren't for us, there'd be no worship going forward. We'd never do that. We'd never take the throne and receive his praise, but we take the throne and execute his judgment. That's idolatry. That is idolatry. You have seated yourself on the throne. And I'm not mocking you. I have lived this. This, Listen, I don't have to read my notes. This is experiential. It is a spiritual issue, not a natural one. What you did to me was in the natural. But I am not citizen of this world first. I'm citizen of that world first with new laws and a new king and new binding things that overrule this. And I have every right in this world to hate you as long as you live. But to make it in the next world and to please the God of this world, I lay down my rights to judge and I come under the umbrella of grace. Why do we hold on to it? Because we're secretly afraid that if we forgive them, they'll get away with it. If we give them mercy, we'll keep from them what they deserve. And if we give them grace, we'll give them something they don't deserve. Number two, what those who hold unforgiveness don't realize They don't realize how recognizable they are. The Bible said that his fellow servants saw him and said, Who are you not to forgive? And spiritually speaking, you may not have done the heinous thing that this person has done. But if you offend in one matter of the law, the Bible said you've transgressed all of the law. And the issue is not math. Well, they're a bigger sinner. It's that we're both under judgment. People don't realize how far this cancer will spread. Be, be careful, brethren, the Bible said, that uh, you're not offended and unforgiveness creep in and a root of bitterness spring up and trouble you and defile many. When you have bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart towards someone else, it will affect your disposition. It will affect your countenance. It will affect the way you think. It will affect your home. It will affect your emotions. It will affect your health. It will affect your marriage. It will be passed on to your children. It is cancerous. Cancerous. And what we want to do is we want to see his word so clearly that we are free from, separate from, hazmat suit, separate from, I just don't want that in my life. I I just don't want that in my life because you can't say a prayer And eliminate that poison. Because when God puts you in prison for unforgiveness. You stay until your debt is paid. And you can't pay it. And the cancer. The disposition. The bitterness. The anger. The cynicism. The rationalization. Is the verbal evidence. Of those spiritual tumors. That have worked their way all through their body. They're hacking up spiritual blood. Every time they curse that person. And they hate that person. And they despise that person. They're right. They're just dying. I'd rather be righteous than right. You can't hold unforgiveness and live. It will eat away at 
every fabric and facet of your life. It closes the ear of God to your prayer. Those of us that are uh, students of the word and we love passages on faith, Mark 11, uh, 24. What can you tell? Who, who knows that one? By heart, Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Nobody? And whatsoever things? Somebody say it. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And you know what the next verse says? And when you stand praying, forgive. Link together. He said, oh, by the way, I got faith, but do you have unforgiveness? Because if you have unforgiveness in your heart, he does not hear your prayer. I don't, the Bible doesn't say, yes, it does. If you regard iniquity in your heart, God does not hear your prayer. I was in a Sunday school class teaching one time, and there was a co-teacher in there, and I said the verse. If you regard iniquity in your heart, God will not hear your prayer. He stood up in my class and said, I've had iniquity in my heart, and God heard my prayer. I had been saved for about two years, so I didn't have about that much tact, you know. I'm brand new in the Lord, and I said, well, one of you's lying. And being that God doesn't lie, I guess that leaves you. That's just what came out. He slammed his Bible, and he got up, his wife got up, and several of their friends got up, and they all walked out. And when they walked out, I just looked at the people. I said, how readest thou? See, that's our problem. We surround ourselves with people that will think like us and believe like us so we can sin like sins and no one says anything. If you regard iniquity in your heart, God hasn't listened to you. He's not hearing you. He's not attentive to you. You are slated for wrath. Why is God so serious about unforgiveness? Do you understand there's very few scriptures where God released his wrath? We saw it on Sodom and Gomorrah. We saw it on the world destroyed by uh, the flood. We saw it in the temple when he wrapped a whip up and drove out the money changers and he was hitting people with straps of leather and taking the skin off of them. Those self-righteous, the, the Pharisees, the, the zealots. And then in this one where he releases mothers and grandmothers and children to the tormentors for them to be tortured. Why does it make God so angry? It's not that we withhold mercy alone. It's that we received so much mercy and we refused to give it away. That's the sin. You and me. If God just picked out one of you and put you on the stage and one from this section and put you on the stage and one from this section and put you on the stage and one from this. He said, now, I, God, am going to handwrite their sins on this wall. All of them, and you're going, oh, Lord. And I forgave you of all of that. And you want justice? See, sometimes the word is so strong, the Bible said, it's like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. It's not my word like a fire, says the Lord, like a hammer. It exposes, it cuts through everything else. And yes, they don't deserve forgiveness, but neither did you. Neither did I. I had someone tell me, 
a couple years ago, they said, I just want you to know I admired how you went through that season and how you did it. I said, whoa, stop. You are, you're trying to compliment me as if it were character. I said, no. I'm just afraid that if I judge them, he'll judge me. I'm scared. I'm scared. <laughs> that fear of the Lord, it's the beginning of wisdom. I may not be guilty of that, but I'm guilty of so much more in different ways. So the person that's aware of their own sinfulness usually finds it easier to forgive than others. People do not, they're not aware that God is aware of their ungrace. And that God is angry with them. And that God will call them into account. When we read that story in the text, he sent for him and brought him before him and judged them. The Bible speaks of works of the flesh. And for this reason does the wrath of God fall upon the children of disobedience. This wrath can fall suddenly on you. It will be personally yours. Violent judgment. Torturous judgment. Public judgment with no remedy. And I know, I'll have preacher friends of mine say that God doesn't do that. It says it. So shall your heavenly Father do to you. And God's prison has no out. And some of you are maybe catching this revelation today. And I've had to deal with it in my history. Currently, it's a non-issue in my life. A non-issue. But you have to see that when the Lord releases tormentors, He has commissioned demonic powers to come against you, your children, your family, your business, your health. Torture. That's what the word torment means. He released the tormentors. That's cruel. No, he does that to break us. So we'll humble ourselves and repent again. First, we were repenting for our sins. Then we're repenting for the greater sin of ungrace. Once again, it's not that we withhold mercy. It's that we received so much mercy and refused to give some of it back to somebody else. That's the sin. And finally... How can I forgive someone deeply? By denying your rights. Self-denial. I lay down the right to judge you. I lay down the right to hate you. I lay down the right to expose you. This was so hard for me um, about 10 years ago during that dark period in my life. There were people that had access to microphones, uh, you know, in Trace Diaz community, which I love being a part of, and other churches. And they just slandered me up and down the street. Everything from, he's the pastor of the whore of Babylon. I'm like, that's a big church, you know. It was just horrible stuff. And every chance they got at their talks or their speeches, they would refer to that pastor at that church and everyone. And they just slandered me. And I had a microphone at that time, 1,200 people. At this church and streaming. And my heart clears a bell. Lord said don't you ever. Ever. Use an opportunity. That I've given you. To hurt anyone. My flesh was screaming. In 30 minutes. I could undo all of their lies. Tell everybody the truth. And they're the bad guy. And I'm. 
the good guy. But grace backs into their nakedness like Noah's son and puts the cover on them and does not expose. That person was the Lord's daughter and is the Lord's daughter. Those people were the Lord's sons and is their son. And I'm not messing with his children. But it hurt. Maybe some of y'all aren't this carnal, but my flesh wanted to tell everybody. I wanted to expose everybody. But there was only one small problem with that. If I come out from under the umbrella of grace and grab them by the throat, justice, Lord. Really? Uh, wait a minute. Judge them and look over my sins. One umbrella, John. Either both of you get under grace or both of you get under law. And he that liveth by the law will die by it. Let it go. Let it go. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow the Lord who was not guilty. They were guilty and he prayed, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Deep forgiveness. How do you forgive someone deeply? By taking it the final step. And even if you're not a note taker, I ask that you get something to write with. I want you to write this down. Matthew 5.44. And put that on the screen for me if you don't mind. Matthew 5.44. Jesus said, But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Years ago, I wrote a sermon, Let It Go and Pray It So. So how, how do I, okay, I forgive, I forgive, but how do I get it out? And here's how. Love them. Take the love that God has given you, and however God has treated you, treat them that way. Bless them. Let the words of your mouth, if someone tries to bring up, you say, I just don't want to talk about it anymore. And when you pray, I do it probably Three or four times a week, I've got a group of six people that I pray for all the time that God would bless them. I list their children. I list their jobs, their health. And I said, Lord, just bless them. Just bless them. Just bless them. Why? Because the word told me to. Not only how I speak to them, how I speak to others about them, but how I speak to God for them. Do good. As, when you have an opportunity... Uh, do good, whether it's covering, covering a flaw, uh, speaking well of them. Just make sure that your expressions and your actions are good. And pray for them. So love, bless, do good, and pray. Deep forgiveness has way more to do with you than who they are. I met with a young man um, several years ago that had a very neglectful childhood and he asked me about Father's Day he said the Bible tells me to honor my father and my mother that my days would be long upon the earth how can I honor them 
Pastor Dad would be a lie. I'd be giving respect to where it's not deserved. I said, that's because you, you, you mixed up respect and honor. I respect you based on who you are. I honor you based on who I am. And I said, from your life as a son, honor them. You're not honoring their choices the way they did anything. Each gives what they have. Let who you are flow from you. So be as good to them as a good son, a son in the Lord. So deep forgiveness has way more to do with who you are than who they are. Deep forgiveness has way more to do with what you have than what they did. See, when we forgive someone, when they shake up our life so horribly and we take the top off, what comes out is what you're full of. And if grace comes out, that means you are living in the grace of God. And if law comes out, you're living under the law. And the Lord wants you to see that if there's infection and that pours out of there, that's in the heart because out of the abundance of the man's heart, the mouth speaks. Deep forgiveness has way more to do with staying free than them going free. It's not an issue of letting them go, I got to stay free. I can't hate you and love God. I can't judge you and not be judged. So it has way, it's selfish in one sense. It has more to do with staying free than go, them going free. Ben, if you would come, please. Deep forgiveness has way more to do with looking closely at something than looking over something. I'm not saying look over it. Look closely at it. In its fury, in its pain, in its sorrow, whatever they did, look very closely at it. And then tell the Lord, out of respect for you, I'm stepping away from it. And letting it go. Deep forgiveness. This is so powerful is the nature of Christ. It is the path of Christ. It is the pleasure of Christ, who for the joy that was set before the, him endured the cross, despising the shame that people like you and I could be saved. He could have called the angels and obliterated them. Instead, he said, instead of judging them, I will lay down my life for them. And you are never more like Jesus than when you forgive someone that does not deserve forgiveness because you are that person. It's two sides to the coin. Deep forgiveness is not only the, the nature of Jesus, the path of Jesus, the pleasure of Jesus. It's the practice of Jesus. It's the power of Jesus. And it's the proof of Jesus operating in your life. If you can forgive from your heart, I know that Jesus abides in you because that's who he is. And deeper forgiveness cannot happen to you without coming from God. You can't receive deeper forgiveness without it coming from God. And deeper forgiveness cannot be given to others without it coming from you. You've heard me use this illustration before. But before the Berlin Wall came... There were places along the wall where East Germany would throw over the wall into West Germany refuse and medical waste and garbage and just, just refuse. They would just dump it over, sling it over. And there was one story that I heard where uh, one of the military personnel said, they've done this again. He said, what should we do, throw, throw stuff? He said, no, get a pallet. And they put antibiotics 
and, and vitamins and medicines and things that they wouldn't have because they weren't free. And they had this huge pallet and they wrapped it in the little saran wrap and they put the crane and they dropped it on the other side and when the guy opened the top of it, it there was a note that said, each gives what they have. Some of you are not the same person you used to be. You know the Lord. You know His Word. You pray. You serve and you give. But you ain't sweet no more. Because someone sinned against you greatly. And it wasn't what they did that's killed you. It's how you reacted to it. That's hard. That's hard. There's a story of a missionary... Um, someone had given him some pit type dogs for, for protecting in the bush that you know pit bull ain't scared of a lion they just chase them off keep the wild animals away and the preacher thanked him for the dogs and one of them was very aggressive and you know did his job and would chase hyenas and zebras just chased all the animals kept them away and the other one was kind of like Leroy he said the pit would just come up lick you, you know, walk up to a hyena and just roll over on its back, you know, just gentle. He goes, he's a nice dog, but he can get us killed. And the guy said, no problem, I'll fix him. And he put that little dog in a bag in front of him. And I know this is horrible, but just see the import of the story. And he tied that knapsack and he took a wooden rod and he began to hit that dog. And at first you heard this horrible puppy whelp, horrible, just crying. And he come across this thing, bam, he crying, bam, and he just kept doing this. And the guy was begging him to stop, and he ignored him. Bam, bam, bam. And then only after about a minute, the cry turned into a guttural growl, and that dog chewed its way out of that knapsack and did this and was growling at everyone around him and the guy put his rod down and said he's fixed and that's what's happened to some of you and I waited all morning to tell you this what they did is unspeakable but it is not irreversible greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world and the balm of Gilead will flow over the meek person. This won't take three minutes. I just want you to assault your pride and draw a line in the sand. And I'm going to invite those of you with unforgiveness in your heart. I'm not going to ask you one question. I want you to come and stand. And what you're saying to God in the sight of others is, I am letting it go today. I want you to come. Today, today, this is it, Lord. Today, Lord, saints praying all over this building. My Lord, oh, I just felt this in my heart for those in this altar. As mercy flows from you, God is going to pour mercy on you. It's going to flow to you, to your mind, to your heart, to your emotions.
Let it go. Now pray for them. Whisper their name loud enough for you to hear it. Say, God, I let so-and-so go. That's it. I forgive you. Even as Christ has forgiven me. I forgive you. I am not your judge. I let it go. I let it go. With no one looking around, is there a person here that's hurt with God? What do you do when you have unforgiveness against God? He could have kept something from you or gave something to you. If that's you, I want you to humbly walk down this aisle and kneel before him. You can't have unforgiveness against God. You got to let it go. If that's you, I want you to come. Now, would y'all quickly come? Guy with a guy, girl with a girl, just stand with them. Because see, they're going to work all this out at home. This was just their coming and saying, I don't mind people seeing me. Come on, guys, come. Guy with a guy, girl with a girl, come. Just put your hand on them. I'm with you. I've been there. I'm with you. This is the first day of the rest of your life. Great grace is upon you. Great grace is upon you. Great mercy is flowing to you. We've got some ladies here. Great grace. Great mercy. Abundant mercy. Cleansing mercy. Healing mercy. You're a person of grace. We're not law. I free you. You don't deserve it, but I free you because of what God has done for me. And I would rather have his smile than your hatred in my heart. Smile on me, oh God. I bless them. Now, if you're in the altar, I want you to say their name and say, I bless you. I ask the Lord to bless your health. I ask the Lord to bless your family and your relationships. I ask the Lord to bless you. The rest of you, would you stand while these are praying? We're not in her. I just want you to stand. And those that have wronged you, even if your heart is clean, I want you to pray for them. Those people in your past, it might have been years ago to say, Lord, I just bless them today. Call their name. I bless them. God, I bless them. I speak good over them. I speak good to them. Give them, Lord, the desire of their heart. Cover them for their sins, O oh Lord. No judgment here, God. No judgment here. Amanda, it's deeper today. It's deeper. The Lord's going deeper. That husband that left, I bless you. I speak good of you. Not what you did. As far as it coming from me, I bless you today. I bless you today. The last thing for those in the altars, go for that last little root, that last little root in the garden. And when you pull it up, this is it. I'm not going to rehearse this no more. I let it go. No root of bitterness.
church family right before you go home I want to give you this last little bit so let's say this person's still a part of the life let's say that occasionally you see them or you just they're out of your life and you may see them one day picture yourself with God watching and so I see Jeff he's the one that hurt me and I see him and they said anything there John nothing on the books Lord then there's nothing on your books either you see nothing on the books For if you forgive men of your trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. And healing, deep, divine healing follows grace. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.